Every sound has a story. Every shadow hides a tale. In the whispers of the wind and the silence of the night, secrets await those who listen. This week on Retraced Echoes, In the brooding heart of Gary, Indiana, a sinister narrative took root, one that would cast a long shadow over the quiet town. The Ammons family, seeking a fresh start, found themselves in a home that harbored secrets as old as its foundations. As the days unfolded, this house of hopes would unravel into a dwelling of dread. The eerie happenings started small, inexplicable knocks, faint apparitions in the dead of night, a persistent chill that seemed to seep into one's very soul. But these were mere harbingers of the terror to come. It was the children who first felt the brunt of the home's malevolent embrace. Their innocent laughter was soon replaced with a silence too heavy for the living. Then, the defiance of nature's laws began. A child, with eyes as empty as the void, levitated, her small body suspended in a cold embrace, as if held by unseen hands. Her brother, a mere nine years old, with a gaze that pierced through to the marrow, walked backward up a wall, his body contorting in a grotesque ballet, an unholy spectacle that would petrify any who witnessed it. These were no mere tricks of the light or playful pranks. These were omens of a darkness that clung to the very air of the Ammon's home. Voices, not of the children, echoed through the halls, deep and resonant with a timbre that spoke of ageless malevolence. The very walls seemed to whisper secrets not meant for mortal ears, and an oppressive presence watched, always just out of sight. When help was sought, it was the authorities who first scoffed, only to find themselves caught in the web of the Ammon's nightmare. A steadfast nurse, her rational mind confounded by the sight of the impossible. A family doctor, his skepticism shattered by the echoes of the unexplainable. Police veterans, hardened by years of service, were left to question all they knew to be true, as they too faced the enigmatic forces at play. As the Ammon's tale unfolded, the line between this world and the next blurred. The house on Carolina Street had become a nexus of the supernatural, a focal point for energies that defied explanation. It stood as a chilling monument to the unseen, a place where the veil was torn and the shadows held sway. The story of the Ammons family endures, a harrowing account of a reality unraveled, a reminder of the thin veil that separates our world from the unknown. It is a story that lingers, leaving an indelible mark on the fabric of the supernatural lore. Hello, no one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. After your last haunting podcast, I'm on edge for what you'll uncover about the Ammons case. I live a few towns over from Gary, and the local chatter about what happened to that family has never died down. There are layers to this story. I hope you'll peel back. Next message. I remember when the Ammons haunting hit the news. It sent shivers through our community. It's one thing to hear ghost stories. It's another to see a family torn apart by something so unexplainable. I'm curious to see how your investigation turns out. Next message. Just wanted to drop a line saying I'm a big fan. I've been obsessed with the Ammons haunting since it first surfaced. It's one of those stories that makes you question the boundaries of our world, eagerly awaiting your deep dive into it. Next message. 
The Ammons case is something else, isn't it? A modern possession tale that's hard to shake off. Looking forward to hearing what I might not know. If you get a chance, check out the interview on the sheriff of the town. It's crazy. Welcome back to Retrace Echoes. As always, I'm your host. My name is Bert. And do we ever have an amazing banger of a story for you today? Listen, I found this one probably two weeks ago. I had never heard of this case before. The Ammons family case based out of Gary, Indiana. And when I found this case, I'm like, this is relatively recent. This is like less than 20 years ago that this actually happened. And it's well documented. So we have all kinds of things that we're going to be covering. You heard some of it at the very intro. I don't know why I point that way. At the very intro of the podcast, you guys kind of got a little glimpse of some of the things that's going on. And as you could tell, <laughs> if you listen to that intro really close, there's a, there's some interesting stuff that happens. Also, as you can tell, if you're on the YouTube machine, we've made a few subtle changes here and there. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. But let's stop talking about it. I want to dive into the story. Let's stop talking about it. Let's be about it. Let's go. In the modest neighborhood of Gary, Indiana, the Ammons family found what they hoped would be a fresh start. Latoya Ammons, along with her mother, Rosa Campbell, and her three young children, moved to the house on Carolina Street with aspirations of tranquility as well as safety. The house, unassuming in its appearance, held the promise of a new beginning for this close-knit family. In the early days, the house was just a house. Walls, windows, and doors that enclosed a space that they would later call home. The family set about making it all their own, unpacking boxes and filling the once-empty rooms with familiar clutter of the daily life. The laughter children echoed in the halls, and their footsteps a lively drumbeat against the wooden floors. But it wasn't very long before the atmosphere began to shift. Subtly, almost hard to detect at first, it began very small, almost mundane oddities. The door would creak open on its own accord, a window that seemed to unlatch itself. The family, pragmatic and grounded, dismissed these occurrences as just quirks of an old building settling in on itself. The children, with their vivid imaginations, were the first to sense that something was off. They would pause in their games, a frown creasing their brows, and they would glance around the room, unsettled by the feeling that they just couldn't quite articulate. Their mother reassured them, though, attributing it to just the newness of the place, to the unfamiliarity of their surroundings. The nights in the new place brought a very different energy. The darkness seemed denser and the silence more pronounced. Sounds that would typically go unnoticed during the day took a very strange quality, the cloak of night, the creaking of wood, the rustling of leaves against the window. These were sounds of any house at night, Latoya told herself, trying to ignore the nod of apprehension that was slowly forming in her stomach. As the weeks unfolded in the new house on Carolina Street, the family began to notice changes that wasn't easy to dismiss. It was as if the house itself was slowly coming alive awakening to some unseen rhythm that could not be heard. The subtleties were first noticed in the corners of the rooms where shadows seemed to linger longer than they should, almost as if they were hesitating. Latoya would often catch a glimpse of something moving just to the edge of her vision, 
but when she would turn to look, there was nothing but empty space. She tried to laugh it off to convince herself and her children it was just their imaginations running wild in their new home. Cold drafts became a common occurrence, weaving through the rooms like silent, unseen serpents. It was a chill that seemed to seep into their bones, a reminder that the warmth of the family home had been intruded upon by something colder, something other. The children, once so full of energy and laughter, began to play more silently, their eyes often glancing over their shoulders as if expecting to see someone or something standing behind them. Latoya and Rosa began to share silent, knowing looks. You know, the kind of looks the family member exchanged when they know that something isn't right, but are reluctant to voice their fears out loud. They were both two very protective mothers and very strong, yet the growing unease in the house was starting to fray the edges of their bravery. The presence in the house had become more assertive, more tangible. It was no longer just fleeting shadows or a passing chill. It was something that lingered in the rooms, something that watched from the unseen corners. Latoya found herself awake in the night, her heart racing, with the feeling that someone had just left the room, as though a weight had just lifted, a gaze withdrawn. This presence, whatever it was, was not malevolent. At least not yet, but it was very curious, and it was exploring, as if testing the very boundaries of its own existence and the family's awareness. As the days turned into weeks, this unseen visitor of their home was slowly making itself known, revealing its existence bit by bit. And so, the family continued to live in the state of heightened alert, each day uncovering a little more of the mystery that enveloped their home. It was a mystery that was unfolding with agonizing slowness, a story being written in the shadows that danced just out of sight. As autumn turned to winter in the home on Carolina Street, the Ammons family found themselves entwined in an ever-tightening web of unexplained occurrences. The once-dismissed oddities were becoming harder to ignore, evolving from fleeting shadows and cold drafts into something more palpable, more disturbing. It was during these chilling winter months that the first truly alarming incident occurred, an event that would forever alter the family's perception of their home. One evening, as the family gathered in the living room, the air suddenly grew cold, a penetrating chill that seemed to emulate from the very walls. A sense of dread filled the room, an oppressive weight that made it hard to breathe. Without warning, an unexplained noise broke the silence. The sound of heavy, deliberate footsteps coming from the floor above. But here's the thing. There was no one else in the house. The upper floor, it was empty. The family sat frozen, their eyes wide with fear as the footsteps continued. Each thud, a hammer blow to their sense of safety. From that night on, the house seemed to be awakened fully. The unexplained phenomena grew in intensity and frequency. Doors would slam shut with no one near them. The lights flickered on and off erratically. Latoya's mother, Rosa, witnessed a shadowy figure pacing back and forth in the living room, but it disappeared when she tried to confront it. The children, once more resilient and cheerful members of the family, began to show signs of strain. They complained of nightmares, vivid and disturbing, that left them reluctant to sleep alone. The youngest? He would wake up screaming in the night, speaking of seeing strange figures in his room. Latoya herself experienced moments when she felt an overwhelming sense of dread, a feeling that she was being watched by an unseen entity. 
She would often wake up in the middle of the night, just like her child. The room bathed in moonlight, with the unnerving sensation that someone had been standing right beside her bed. Next, whispers began to fill the house, a soft murmuring that seemed to come from the very walls. At first, Latoya thought it was just her imagination, but then Rosa heard them too, indistinct but unmistakable. It was as if the house was speaking in a language that they couldn't understand, a conversation that they were not meant to hear. As the occurrences within the family's home grew increasingly disturbing, echoes of the unrest began to manifest in the children's lives outside the home. Most notably at school, both teachers and staff began to notice unusual changes in the behavior of Latoya's children, changes that were both unsettling and unexplained. In the classroom, the teachers observed the children becoming distracted, often staring in a space with a distant, glazed look in their eyes. Their academic performance began to suffer, and their interactions with classmates began to strain. It was as if they was carrying a heavy burden, a secret that weighed them down and kept them apart from their peers. More concerning were the moments when the children's behavior became truly alarming. On several occasions, Teachers reported instances where the children would speak in deep, unnatural voices, a stark contrast to their normal tones. These episodes were often accompanied by an aggressive outburst, a sudden and unexplained change that left both classmates and teachers deeply unnerved. During recess and in the hallways, other students began to whisper about the children, sharing stories of strange occurrences, objects moving around with no explanation, sudden drops in temperature in their vicinity, and an eerie feeling when in their presence. The situation reached a critical point when one of the children, during a moment of distress, started to exhibit what appeared to be a violent seizure. This episode witnessed by both students and staff was the tipping point. The school, concerned for the safety and well-being of all of its students, knew that it had to act. The decision to involve the Department of Children's Services was not taken lightly. The school's principal, along with a guidance counselor and concerned teachers, convened to discuss the best course of action. They were aware that the Ammons children were undergoing a stressful period at home, but the severity and the nature of the incidences at school pointed to something beyond the typical family stress. A meeting was arranged with Latoya, where the school expressed its concern for her children's well-being and behavior. Latoya, already overwhelmed by the events at home, shared some of the family's experiences hoping to find understanding and support. However, the nature of Latoya's revelations, tales of paranormal activity and demonic possession, only heightened the school's concern. Faced with a situation that was beyond their expertise and experience, and with the primary obligations to ensure the safety and mental health of the children, the school felt compelled to seek external help. I hope we're doing the right thing for these kids. The school contacted the Department of Children's Services, detailing their observations and expressing their alarm the children's behavior and the family's claims of supernatural disturbances. This report initiated an official response from DCS, marking the beginning of a new, more public chapter in the Ammons family ordeal. Department of Child Services, this is Beth. How can I assist you today? Hey Beth, this is Michael Thompson, a school counselor at Lake County Middle School. I'm calling regarding a concerning situation with one of our students and their family. I see. Can you provide me with some details about the situation? Yes, of course. 
We've observed some troubling changes in behavior with the Ammon's children. They've been missing a lot of school lately, and when they do attend, they seem distressed and Now, in the once quiet neighborhood of Gary, Indiana, a DCS caseworker, whose days are typically filled with the routine family assessments, was assigned a case unlike any other. With a mixture of professional skepticism and a mandate to ensure the well-being of the children, the caseworker stepped into the world of Latoya Ammons and her family. The first visit was met with a sense of unease. The Ammons family from the outside looked like any other in the neighborhood. But inside, the air was thick with tension, almost as if the house itself was holding its breath. Latoya, a picture of distress, narrated the ordeal. Tales of shadows, strange noises, and her children's unnerving behavior. The caseworker listened, taking notes, but in their mind, these stories were more likely manifestations of stress and perhaps environmental factors affecting the family. But as the visit continued, the caseworker began to sense that this was no ordinary case. The children, usually more transparent in such situations, they were more withdrawn. Their playfulness was replaced by nervous energy. They seemed constantly on edge, their eyes darting to empty corners of the room or flinching at sounds that the caseworker couldn't even hear. It was a stark contrast to the normal behavior experienced by children of their age. The house itself seemed to play a character in this unfolding story. Doors would creak shut while the caseworker was there, and cold drafts seemed to go through the rooms. The caseworker, trained to focus on facts and evidence, found their rational explanation faltering in the face of those unexplained events. Concerned for the mental and physical health of the children and their skepticism slowly eroding, the DCS decided a medical evaluation was necessary. Perhaps, they thought, science could shed light on what was happening. A hospital visit was arranged, a setting of science as well as logic, where the children would be examined away from the influence of their home. The hospital's examination room was a stark, sterile environment, a sharp contrast to the eerie atmosphere of the Ammons' home. Here in the realm of white walls and fluorescent lights, the DCS caseworker and Latoya watched expecting the mundane routine of a medical examination. As the youngest of the MN's children was called for his assessment, he appeared apprehensive, a small figure in the clinical vastness of the room. The medical staff, professional and efficient, began their standard examination, unaware they were on the cusp of witnessing something extraordinary. The initial parts of the checkup proceeded without incident. The toy and the caseworker exchanged brief, yet hopeful glances perhaps believing that the hospital setting had provided some relief from the unexplained occurrences that had plagued the family. But their sense of normality was about to be shattered. Without warning, the atmosphere in the room shifted. There was a change that filled the air, a sense of impending unease that made the hair on the back of one's neck stand up. The boy's demeanor changed abruptly. His body stiffened. His eyes, previously filled with the innocence of childhood, glazed over by an unsettling blankness. Suddenly, with a force that seemed to come from nowhere, the 
boy was hurled against the wall. The sound of a small body colliding with a hard surface echoed through the room. A chilling punctuation to the stunned silence that followed. Latoya gasped, her hand flying to her mouth in horror. While the medical staff, they just stood frozen, their professional composure shattered by the unexplained event. But the true moment of surreal terror is yet to come. In a movement that defied every law of physics, the boy began to walk, not forward, but backward. It was a slow, deliberate motion, his feet planted unnaturally against the wall as if gravity had ceased to exist. He ascended upward, his body bending in an impossible arch, his hands still by his side, his eyes still void of expression. The room, once filled with the routine sound of a hospital, was now enveloped in a stunned hush. The medical staff, the caseworker, and Latoya, everyone who was present, was locked in a state of disbelief. The boy reached the ceiling, his small frame a silhouette against the stark white tiles, an image so surreal it seemed to belong in the realm of nightmares rather than the realm of a hospital room. As he descended back to the floor, the spell of shock that had gripped the room began to break. The medical staff rushed to attend him, their movement hesitant, their faces etched with confusion and fear. The DCS caseworker stood motionless, the foundation of their rational understanding of the world profoundly shaken. This was no longer a case that could be explained away with logic and reason. They had crossed into the uncharted territory where the lines between the possible and the impossible were irrevocably blurred. For everyone in that room, the world would never be the same again. The rules they had all known, the truths they all held, had been challenged by a boy who defied gravity in the moment transcending the known boundaries of reality. Inside the hospital, a bastion of medical science and empirical evidence, staff grappled with a reality that had just been turned on his head. The boy's gravity-defying act challenged the very principles they had built their careers upon. Among the white-coated professionals, some tried to rationalize what they had seen, attributing it to an optical illusion or a trick of the mind. Others, however, couldn't shake the feeling of having witnessed something otherworldly. Their science skepticism clashed with the evidence of their own eyes. The flurry of activity that followed was a mix of urgency and confusion. Further medical evaluations was conducted on the boy with doctors searching for neurological or psychological explanations that could possibly shed a light on his behavior. Test after test was performed, yet the results offered no clarity. The incident lay outside the scope of their medical textbooks or journals, leaving a trail of unanswered questions and a sense of professional helplessness. When it comes to recording the day's events, the medical staff faced a conundrum. How does one document the defiance of natural law in a medical report? The note from that day's examinations would mention the boy's unusual behavior in the staff's observations, but the extraordinary nature of him walking up the wall was a narrative that struggled to find its place in the black and white of medical documentation. The DCS caseworker, meanwhile, was caught between their duty to protect the children and the challenge of articulating an event that defied belief. The report had to tread a very delicate line, balancing the factual observation of the child's behavior and the personal experience of witnessing something that transcended the normal. This incident was more than a footnote in the case file. It was a testament to the unknown, a critical juncture that would shape the direction of their involvement with the Ammons family. For the family, particularly Latoya, the incident was both a vindication and a deepening nightmare. 
What had been dismissed as tales and fears confined to their home was now manifested in a full view of the outside world. The reality of their situation had been starkly and undeniably confirmed. In the wake of the hospital visit, a heavy air of uncertainty hung over all that was involved. The medical staff was left to ponder the limitations of their knowledge, the DCS caseworker to question the boundaries of their role, and the family to face the reality of a haunting that was all too real. The boundaries between the known and the unknown had become irrevocably blurred, leaving each person to wonder what may lay in the veil of their understanding. In the wake of the hospital visit, where the ordinary laws of nature seemed to bend and twist in the presence of the Ammons children, the Indiana Department of Children's Services made a very decisive move. The behavior exhibited by the children in the hospital, actions so extraordinary, they defied rational explanation, had raised grave concerns. It wasn't just the physical defiance of gravity or the unnerving changes in their voices. It was the fear in their eyes, a haunting glimpse into the unseen terror. As the sun dipped below the horizon on that day, that would forever mark a turning point for the Ammons family. DCS officials arrived at their home. The decision was as swift as it was heart-wrenching. The children were to be removed from the mother's care. Latoya Ammons, her eyes mirroring the confusion and fear that had come to dominate the family's life, could only watch as what she cherished most was taken under the guise of protection. The house, once a symbol of a fresh start for Latoya and her children, now stood silent, the walls echoing the remnants of the day's turmoil. Inside, the traces of an ordinary life, a toy left on the floor, a snack left in the cupboards. As the DCS car pulled away, its headlights cutting through the gathering of darkness, the neighborhood seemed to hold its breath. Whispers spread from porch to porch, window to street corner. This was no ordinary intervention. The children, bewildered and scared, were lost in their own thoughts, each one trying to make sense of the whirlwind that had uprooted them from their mother's arms. That night, as Latoya Ammons lay in her now all-too-quiet home, the weight of the unknown pressed heavily upon her. What had started as whispers of something amiss had escalated into a full-blown battle against an invisible force that had infiltrated her home, her life, and the very souls of her children. In the offices of DCS, the case file for the Ammons family sat on a desk, a beacon of the extraordinary in the mundane world of the bureaucracy. The report inside spoke of events that defied logic of children acting in ways that unsettled even the most seasoned professionals. In the days that followed the abrupt and heartbreaking separation of the Ammons family, the machinery of investigation whirled into motion. The Indiana Department of Child Services, in conjunction with the psychological professionals and law enforcement, embarked on a quest to unravel the truth behind the bizarre occurrences that had shattered the semblance of normalcy in the Ammons household. The children, now under the care of the state, was subjected to the battery of psychological evaluations. These sessions, clinical and probing, sought to delve into the depths of the child's experiences. The psychologists faced the daunting tasks of discerning the tangible web of reality and the children's perceptions, which were muddied by fear and the inexplicable. In parallel, DCS caseworkers meticulously sifted through the family's past, seeking any clues that might shed some light on the present chaos. They combed through school records interviewed relatives, and gathered testimonies from anyone who had crossed the path of the family. Each interview, 
Each document was a piece of a puzzle that seemed to defy assembly. Meanwhile, in the Ammons' home, a modest structure in a quaint neighborhood in Gary, Indiana, became the focus of intense scrutiny. Investigators stepped into the house, their presence a stark contrast to the tales of the haunting that emerged from within the walls. They searched for anything that was out of the ordinary, signs of trickery, environmental hazards, anything that could provide a rational explanation for the children's alarming behavior. But the house yielded no easy answers. Instead, it stood as a mystery, its silence offering no confessions. The rooms where the family had lived, laughed, and loved now seemed imprinted with an intangible heaviness, as if the very air was saturated with the residue of the unexplained events that had unfolded there. Back at the DCS office, the case file for the Ammons family grew thicker. Reports from the psychologist began to trickle in, filled with observation, hypotheses, and more questions and answers. The caseworkers found themselves at a crossroad of logic and the unknown. Each piece of evidence seemed to contradict the next. The children's accounts, vivid and chilling, painted a picture of a reality that defied all known laws of psychology and physics. As the investigation deepened, the story of the Ammons family began to take a life all its own, spreading beyond the confines of Gary and into the broader world. The case, with each passing day, was becoming a magnet of curiosity, skepticism, and fear. It was a story that challenged the very boundaries of belief, a tale of a family caught in the grip of something beyond comprehension. In this quest for truth, the lines between investigator, witness, and victim became blurred. Each person who stepped into the Ammon saga found themselves not just observers, but as participants in a narrative that was as unsettling as it was unfathomable. The investigation was more than a search for facts. It was a journey into the heart of the unknown. The involvement of the Gary Police Department added a new compelling chapter in the Ammons family story. Initially skeptical, the officers approached the case with a grounded perspective typical of law enforcement. However, what they encountered within the walls of the Ammons home would challenge their beliefs and professional detachment. It all began with a routine visit to the house on Carolina Street, a task that seemed very straightforward. But as the officers stepped through the threshold, they entered a realm where the lines between reality and the supernatural blurred, the house and assuming an appearance hid within it experiences that would leave even the most seasoned officers questioning what they knew. In the dimly lit rooms, where shadows seemed to play tricks on the eyes, the officers felt an oppressive atmosphere, a heaviness that made every step forward feel like a descent into somewhere unknown. Reports from these visits noted a series of strange occurrences. Equipment would just malfunction unexplainably, unexplained cold spots in various places in the house, and even faint, indistinct whispers that seemed to emanate from the walls themselves. One particular incident stood out, a photograph taken in the house that appeared to show a very shadowy figure, despite there being no one present to cast such a silhouette. This image would become a focal point of the case, a piece of visual evidence that defied logical explanation. The officers' experiences documented in their reports added a layer of credibility to the claims of paranormal activity. Here were trained professionals, individuals accustomed to confronting and explaining the unknown, now faced with circumstances that defied their understanding of the world. The involvement of the police lent a new seriousness to the case. No longer could the events be dismissed as mere figments of imagination or the result of suggestible minds. The testimonies of the officers brought the case into a broader spotlight, 
attracting attention from both local and national media. As the Ammons case spiraled deeper into the realm of the unexplained, a new figure entered the story, one who would steer it into uncharted waters. Father Michael Maginot, a local Catholic priest, Father Maginot was initially approached for a general blessing of the house. However, upon meeting Latoya Ammons and her family, and after witnessing firsthand the strange occurrences, he found himself drawn into a situation that defies his theological and practical experiences. The father's first visit to the Ammons' home was a pivotal moment. He entered with a mix of skepticism and clerical duty, intended to offer the standard prayers and rituals of blessings. What he encountered, though, propelled him into a role far beyond what he anticipated. He listened intently into the family's accounts, their descriptions of the unexplained phenomena, and their pleas for help. He observed disturbances in the house that he could not easily dismiss. Strange noises, flickering shadows, and an overall sense of dread that permeated the residence. Convinced that what he was witnessing was beyond the scope of natural explanation, the father made a decision that would escalate the situation. He sought and received permission from the local bishop to perform an exorcism, not just on the house, but on Latoya Ammons herself. This was a very rare step, a testament to the gravity of the situation and his conviction that they were dealing with forces that fell squarely within the realm of the demonic. The exorcisms performed by the father were intense and according to those present, deeply unsettling. The rituals filled with prayers and confrontation with the unseen was conducted in the presence of family members, police officers, and caseworkers. Those who witnessed this event described a tangible shift in the atmosphere moments of fear mixed with hope as the father recited the ancient prayers of the church, invoking authority over the malevolent presence he believed were at play. Following the exorcisms, it was reported that there was a decrease in paranormal activity in the house. The family, who had been living in a constant state of fear, began to experience some form of normal life. For Latoya Ammons, the exorcism was a turning point, a moment of liberation from the unseen forces that had shaken her life. Father Magnall's involvement in the case drew both support and skepticism. For some, his actions were seen as courageous stand against the dark forces. For others, it was an archaic response to events that needed more rational explanation. Regardless of the differing views, his role in the Ammons haunting added a profound and controversial layer to the already complex narrative. As the dust settled on the ritual of the exorcism, the Ammons family looked forward to moving on from the horrors that they had faced. However, the story of their ordeal had already taken root in the public consciousness, raising questions and debates about the nature of evil, the power of faith, and the limits of human understanding. In the aftermath of the father's exorcism, a semblance of calm began to return to the Ammons household. The once constant presence of fear and uncertainty started to fade, giving way to cautious relief. This change marked a new chapter in the story, the return of the Ammons children to their mother. The decision to reunite the family was not taken lightly by the Department of Children's Services. The children, after being removed from the house due to safety concerns, had been under close observation and care. Their time apart from their mother and their home was filled with evaluations, counseling, and a watchful eye on their well-being. The DCS needed to be certain that the children were returned to a safe and stable environment. 
Latoya, having undergone the intense experience of an exorcism and the subsequent decrease in paranormal activity, was eager to have her family whole again. The months of separation, fear, and uncertainty had taken a toll, but there was a glimmer of hope that life could return to some form of regularity. The day of the children's return was filled with a mix of emotions. There was joy, relief, but also an undercurrent of apprehension. The experiences that they had shared, the things that they had seen and felt, had irrevocably changed them. The family, once familiar with the routines of everyday life, now found themselves navigating a new reality, one where the line between the unexplained and the supernatural had been blurred. As they settled back into their home, the neighborhood and the community at large watched with a collective breath held. The story of the Ammons family had spread far and wide, drawing attention and speculation from all corners. Some neighbors looked on with sympathy, others with skepticism. But for Latoya and her children, the focus was on healing and moving forward. The return of the children marked the end of one of the most tumultuous periods in the family's life. The echoes of their experience lingered. That house on Carolina Street, which had been the epicenter for so much fear and attention, now stood as a quiet testament to the family's ordeal. As the seasons turned, and the time marched on, the story of the Ammons family and their heroine experience in Gary, Indiana began to fade with the immediate glare of public attention. Yet, in the quiet aftermath, in the everyday moments of life reclaimed, the family continued their journey, one marked by resilience and hard-won peace. Latoya and her children, having weathered a storm that seemed almost unending, found strength in normal everyday life. The school runs, the shared meals, the laughter that once filled their home all spoke of a family that had not just survived but also learned to thrive in the wake of their extraordinary ordeal. While the family sought to close the chapter on their past, their story remained etched in the collective consciousness of those intrigued by the paranormal. The Ammons haunting continued to be the topic of intrigue and speculation, a narrative revisited in the hushed tones by those who seek to understand the mysteries that lie at the edge of our reality. The events that unfolded in the Ammons household left behind a legacy of questions that continue to provoke debate and discussion. Their story stands as a stark reminder of the thin veil that separates the known from the unknown, a tale that challenges our perceptions of the world we inhibit. As we close the book on the Ammons story in this episode of Retraced Echoes, we're reminded of the complexities of the human experience, their journey woven through the threads of fear, courage, and the search for understanding is a testament for the enduring human spirit. In the world of the paranormal, where shadows whisper and the unseen walk beside us, the story of Latoya Ammons and her family serves as a narrative of the unexplained. A reminder that sometimes the most extraordinary tales are found not in the pages of fiction, but in the lived experiences of those around us. And so, as we turn off the lights and step out of the Ammons story, we carry with us the echoes of their journey, a journey that speaks of darkness and light, of fear and hope, and of the endless quest to understand the mysteries that dwell just beyond the reach of our understanding. I want to thank you for joining us on the journey of one of the most compelling paranormal tales of all time. As we end this episode, we look forward to exploring more shadows and stories that lie beyond the uncharted territories of the supernatural. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to check out my other podcast that I co-host with a buddy of mine, Nick, called Deceptive Reality. Every single Friday, we look at a different, unsolved mystery. We've covered everything from Bigfoot, the Mothman, to other cases of paranormal. 
Also, if you prefer stories from people just like you and me, I have a YouTube channel called Retrace Stories, kind of a sister to this podcast. And what I do is I take the stories from everyday people just like you and me, and I narrate it with some soundscaping and with some music. So if that's more your thing, be sure to check that out again, Retrace Stories on YouTube. Well, this is Bert signing off from Retraced Echoes. Stay safe and perhaps a little bit weary of the unknown. Until we meet again, goodbye.